Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Welcome to New Hope Church. Welcome to the Sanford campus, Columbia campus, Hillsborough campus, Kenya campus, Coffee House, NCCIW, North Raleigh, Garner Campus, Internet, and surely last but not least, welcome to the Durham campus. I'm so glad you are here today. Hey, just real quickly before we get into the word, today, next Sunday, I'd like to let you know when we're going to do this. Next Sunday, we are having Holy Communion at all of our campuses. Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it, next Sunday, it's always sacred right here in the house of the Lord. Going to have some great worship and Holy Communion. And then lastly, Baptism Sunday is coming up. Everybody say June 12th. Now listen, we're changing the time. It's at 5.30 p.m. 5.30 p.m. And you might consider this our summer party, our, our initiation into the summer. We are going to have water games for the kids. There will be people playing basketball. We're going to have music. We're going to have ice cream for any and everyone. And all the campuses are going to make their way here to the Durham campus for a baptism celebration on Sunday, June 12th. It's going to be a blast. Mark your calendars. And hey, if you haven't been baptized, or maybe you don't remember getting baptized, but your parents tell you, hush your mouth, you were baptized. <laughs> or you got baptized and you can't remember it, but it just didn't mean much to you. June 12th, come on out. We would love to dunk you in the name of Jesus. Hey, take out your phones. Go to the New Hope app. And uh, go to Facebook just for a moment and uh, check in, check into your location. That's a huge witness for people. And uh, let's go get this. If you're ready for the word, say bring it. Pastor Jared preached a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful message last week. And the great thing about this series that we're in right now is the way in which it chronologically builds through the Bible. That message was strong. And that message is for you to think about how you're going to live in the wilderness. And that you can live in the wilderness while learning to sing it as well with my soul. And unless you learn how to do that, life will get really hard because we know that we all experience wildernesses from time to time. Can I get an amen? amen. However, I want you to know today, and again, this is the power of messages building chronologically and the way God's word unfolds for us. I want to make sure you understand that as we learn to sing, it is well with my soul in the wilderness. It is not God's will that you stay in the wilderness. Oh, it is not God's purpose or plan. It is God's purpose and plan to be with you in the wilderness and you learn to get the blessing in the wilderness. But it is God's will that you move on out of the wilderness. The problem that we see in the biblical narrative and the problem that I see in our lives is that so often we stay in the wilderness far longer than God wants us to. 
In fact, I want you to look at this scripture and I want us to read it out loud together on the screens because this makes my point right here. This isn't even a part of the teaching, but this is like a a transitional passage from last week to this week. The Bible says this. The Lord God said to us at Oreb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. You You might have not heard me. Let's read it together. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, it's early, man. It's early. It's all right. That could be early for, for 845 people or 1045 people. It's all relative. Right? Just depends on when you get up. Here we go. Ready? The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and... And do what? Say it again. Advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah. I know that's hard. In the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast. You guys are doing great. To the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, see... I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land. The Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after him. Again, everybody say advance. The Bible says advance. In fact, later on, we just read it. It says, go and take possession of your promised land. I wonder if today what God would want to say to some of you, maybe many of you, maybe all of you, because again, it's relative. We're all in different places. I wonder if what God would want to say to you today, say to us today, you've been in that wilderness too long. You might have learned to sing it as well, and I'm glad you did, and that's so important. But it is time to get up, advance, and take possession of the land I'm about to give you. Now, let me just give you, let me just give you 30, I love it, brother. Let me give you a 30,000-foot survey of what's going on here. Ancient Israel is stepping into a new era. God is calling them to leave the wilderness and go into the promised land. Now, this will kind of freak you out when you think about it. We are a quarter of the way through this series, The Story. I mean, it seems like we just started, right? But we are a quarter of the way through the biblical narrative. God is using Joshua and calling God's people to go into the promised land. The promise started all the way back in Genesis 12. The word Joshua in the Hebrew is equivalent to the Latin or as we translate English, Jesus. It is no coincidence that the man who is leading ancient Israel into what would become Palestine was the very place that Yahshua translated into the Greek and Latin became Jesus, where Jesus would ultimately deliver all of us, come on, into the promised land of Almighty God. Joshua is setting the stage for that which was to come. And I'm just wondering today, is there anybody up in here or at any of the campuses who would like to learn 
how to get out of the wilderness and into the promised lands of God. Because that's where we're going today, church, into the promised lands of God. So if you're taking notes, grab your binder. Let me hear some clicks. Oh, there they are. There they are. Binders, books, if you're new, they're in the resource center. I want to talk to you today about three steps to getting out of the wilderness. And by the way, I am using that language intentionally. Literally. There are steps. There is action that we have to take if we are ever going to get out of the wilderness and into the promised land. If you're ready, say, let's go. The blessings that God desires to give me must still be taken. Oh, my Lord. The blessings that God desires to do what, church? To give me must still be what? You cannot. This is, this is the biggest mistake I see with Christians. You cannot sit in life. Um. Go to the beach. I see your pictures. Go to the beach. You're sitting all Indian style up on the beach. Watching the sunrise and the sunset. Um. Now, nothing wrong. No, nobody's more of a romantic with sunrises than sunsets than me. I love them. But that is just to honor and admire the beauty of God's creation. That is not how you tap into the blessings of almighty God. Look at what the Bible says. Come on, come on, come on. Now then, you and all the people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them. Now guess what? If you, if you study the original language, in this part of the Bible, God is using the past tense that I've given you. Go ahead. But, but they had to take it. God is saying, I've already given it to you. But guess what? You got to take it. You got to step into it that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I will give you every place where you do what? There are steps to be taken. Now watch this. I will give you any place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Remember Moses is dead. I'm talking about really dead. <laughs> Princess Diaries, dead, if you know what I'm saying. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. In other words, God was about to give it to them, but they had to take a step. They had to advance. Listen to me, church. There is a big difference between having access to something and possessing something. I'm about to tell you something that you wouldn't know unless you take out a map and study it. In other words, the Bible doesn't say what I'm about to tell you. As the Bible describes the promised land that God was going to give them, that God desired to give them the blessings, as it describes it from a geographical perspective, it was 250 to 300,000 square miles. How many? 250 to 300,000 square miles. Guess how much land they took possession of? 25,000 square miles. 
You don't have to be a mathematician to figure this out. They took only 10% of the blessing. They only tapped in to 10% of the blessing that God had for them. It was not until many, many years later that King David and Israel took possession of the entire promised land. Here's my question to you today. What area of your life are you only tapping into a small percentage of the blessings that God wants to give you? What, what, what promised lands might God be wanting to give you, but you have just not fully taken steps and advanced into your blessing? Let me just sit there for a moment so you can think about that. In all arenas of your life, where might you just be experiencing a small percentage of what God would want to give you? The year was 1944, a very important point in the history of our great country. World War II. General George S. Patton said these famous words that I believe are incredibly applicable to the message I am talking to you about today. He says this, I don't want to get any messages saying I am holding my position. We are not holding we are what church? We are advancing constantly. And we are not interested in holding on to anything. Our basic plan of operation is to advance and to keep on advancing. Regardless of whether or not we have to go over, under, or through our enemy the blessings of God the blessings of God do not come for the timid you got to advance you got to take steps you got to move do you do you remember if you if you've been reading this 40 years ago God told them to go take possession and they wimped out 40 years had passed Joshua was older Many people had died. They didn't even get to go into the promised land. I wonder today if you're here and you're just, you're getting less than God's best. I wonder today if you're just getting like a, a 10% or 20% as they did. Here, here's the question I would ask you. Check it out. What blessings are still waiting on you from God Almighty? But these blessings are in what? In what? Because you have come to a... And are no longer moving forward with God. Now guys, you wrestle that one to the ground. I love, I love how all, so many of you are just writing notes and you're taking notes. That's a question for you to live with well beyond today. What blessings are still waiting on who? You. From God. But these blessings, these promised lands are still in delay. Because you are in a standstill. Now, to really teach this, I need to go on a little trail for a moment. And I need to talk to you about premises and promises. Everybody say premises. Everybody say promises. I need to talk to you about the premises of God and the promises of God. This one little illustration will help you tap into exactly what I'm talking about, taking steps. We all know this very, very popular promise in Scripture. And you can write these down in the margin of your Bible, wherever you are. Or you write them on your teaching notes. Or if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Go to Philippians. 
Here's the promise. Now, we all know this verse. I mean, this is a coffee mug verse right here. This, this is one that makes us feel all good inside, right? This, this has been sold on so many pieces of art and coffee mugs in Christian bookstores. Here's the promise. And the peace of God, why don't we read this out loud? Ready? Go. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Good verse, right? The peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. Sounds good, does it not? It's a great promise from God, is it not? I've got a question for you. Have you ever known anybody who wanted the peace of God to transcend their hearts, but they weren't experiencing it? Let's make it a little more personal, because, by the way, everybody can raise your hand to this. Have you ever wanted the peace of God in your life, but for whatever reason you weren't experiencing the peace of God? Did God lie? No. You see, the problem is we focus on the promise without the premise. To which you're saying, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Young people are like, where does that come from? <laughs> you missed out, dude. You missed out. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Philippians 4 what? 7. See, we love the promise. Back up one verse and look at the premise. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's the premise. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. But in everything, by prayer and petition... With all thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do you see it? You see it? You don't get the peace that transcends all understanding. You don't get the promise without the premise. To the extent to which we step into and act on the premises of God is the extent to which we experience the promises of God. That'll change your life, church. That'll completely change your life. You'll start reading Scripture differently. It's kind of like... Kind of like all this buzz in the air about lottery tickets. Somebody told me the other day, again. Pastor, if I win, I know you said that you ain't going to tithe if you win. But, Pastor, I, want to, I, I bought 20 and I will tithe if I win. Maybe you will. You probably won't. <laughs> Unless you're tithing now. Unless you're tithing now. But that's not my point in bringing this up. Here's my point. If you buy lottery tickets, and I don't encourage you to, by the way. I really don't. But if you do, and if you see on the news one day that your number won the lottery, number one, <laughs> you're probably going to faint. But after you get up, they showed your number. Do, do you get the money? No. You can sit in your den all day long. Um. And then you can end it with this. I won, I won, I won. Um. You will not get anything until you step out of your house. Take that ticket and show them that you have the actual correct number. There are promises and there are premises in Scripture 
And this is how you tap into it. The reason there are so many people still living in the wildernesses of God, Christians, let me say it clearly, who never experience the promised lands of God is because they never fully understand that one can only, only, only experience the promises of God to the degree to which they walk out the premises of God. He will give you every place you set your foot. What God wants to give, I know it's a difficult word and some of you are kind of struggling. What God wants to give must be taken. Must be acted upon. Some of you, your whole understanding of the faith is getting shattered right now. And a lot of what we are trying to do at New Hope is we're trying to help you learn how to take the steps of God. How to tap into the blessings of God. So if you feel God is calling you to go back to school, go! (laughs) If you feel God is calling you to travel and you have the means to do so, go! If you feel God is calling you to go for that promotion, I mean, go for it. And go in and build your case to your boss. And work your rear end off. And add so much value to the organization. Go for your promotion. If you feel God is calling you to write a book. For God's sake, write a book. You say, I don't have a publisher. So what? Write the book. You never know what could happen. If God is calling you to... Start a business. Do your homework. But for God's sake, start the business. If God is calling you to date that special one, hello. Ask them out. What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no. Hey, I just thought about this in saying that. If God's calling you to reach out and invite someone to church, Every one of you at all the campuses got today brand new, hot off the press, invest and invite cards. You got those little cards. They're about that big. And so often God feels, God's calling and you feel God calling you to invite somebody to church or to a life group. And you don't. Could you be delaying and missing your blessing? And their blessing? What is the worst thing they can say to you? No. And that's far better than getting turned down on a date because check it out. They aren't saying no to you. They're saying no to God. Just extend the invitation. If God is calling you to do whatever, you fill in the blank. You just go do it. I got a call a few weeks ago from Mother Emmanuel uh, Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Y'all remember that church? Mother Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. Y'all know that I went down there last year and spoke, and we took an offering on our behalf. If, you don't, if you're not remembering exactly what I'm talking about yet, it's that horrible tragedy in South Carolina where the young man walks into the Bible study. And it's become known as the Charleston Nine, and he massacres nine people, including the pastor of the historic 
Mother Emmanuel Church, a place where Martin Luther King Jr., another great preacher, great, great church. Um, they called me a few weeks ago. I, time had flown by. I didn't realize, but we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of that horrible tragedy. And they invited me back down. There's, they got this, they, 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 they've got this thing going on Thursday night where they're having this big celebration and uh, all kinds of politicians and religious leaders and special people are showing up and they're having a big dinner together and they're, they're asking for uh, the Gideon 300. They're trying to get 300 people around the country to be involved in the Gideon 300 to send a message loud and clear to Charleston and the nation for that matter that even though that was a horrible thing that happened, we are not going to stay in the wilderness. We are going to take the blessing out of this even though someone shot our pastor, even though someone killed eight other parishioners even though Satan thought he won the day we aren't going to stay in that wilderness we are going to step out and move into the blessings and the promises of God and I thought to myself how could I say no to that invitation yes I'll be a part of the Gideon 300 and then I put the phone down and I realized because I was kind of thinking about this message what are they doing they're taking steps, exactly. They're taking steps to get out of the wilderness and tap into the blessings that God has for them. And I might say for our country as we continue to figure out how to coexist. Black man, white man, brown man, yellow man, we are all one created by the same God. Amen. Amen, campuses. Amen. 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 Here's the next thing, okay? Number two. The taking of your blessing will involve warfare and require courage. Oh, my Lord. First of all, I told you you got to take it. Quit being timid. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. But once you take it, I need to love you enough to tell you the truth. It's going to involve warfare and require courage. It is at this point in the Bible, let me just kind of step back up to the 30,000 foot level for just a moment. It is at this point in the Bible that warfare and suffering for the promised land enters the picture. We have stepped out of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. And we've stepped into what scholars call the historical books of the Bible. And right now in Joshua, we are stepping into warfare. Let me just say it plainly. When they finally decided to go into the promised land after delaying 40 years, they stepped into the promised land and all Hell broke loose. Warfare came. The question that you have to ask yourself is can you handle the warfare? The question you've got to ask yourself is can you be strong and courageous? Did you notice in your reading this week, three times in the first nine chapters of Joshua 1... Three times in the first nine chapters, here's what the Bible said. Be what? Be what? Say it one more time to convince yourself you've got to do it. Do what? Be strong and courageous. Three times in nine verses, the Bible says be strong and courageous. Write this down. You can study it later. Ephesians 6. 
please, for the love of God, go study Ephesians 6 this week. Do it today. Go study Ephesians 6, New Testament. And God lays out right there in his word, spiritual warfare and how we are to battle it. Now, here's what I need to do today. I need to talk about a different, difficult subject matter. I need, to, I need to kind of just sit down with you and have a chat. I need to talk to you about the cringe factor that many of you feel when you read this part of the Bible. I need to acknowledge and recognize, particularly for the unbelievers in the house, that what I'm about to talk to you about is one of the primary reasons why you don't even become a believer. Because you read parts of the Bible like this in the Old Testament. And you think to yourself, I can't understand a God like that. Theologically, you have a wrestling match with yourself and with the Bible. It is at this point in the scriptures that God sends in Joshua and his people... And they wipe out a people group. And I need to do a little course correction. I need to help us understand it. Or at least I'm humbly asking you to give me a shot at it. The main thing you've got to wrestle with right out of the get-go. Is that God told them to do it. I've always told you I will never water down this book. I will never, I will teach this book to the day I die. I'm going to teach it to you pure. I'm going to teach it to you the best I can. But I will never water it down. God told them to wipe out the Canaanite people. Let me show you what I mean. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, seven nations larger and stronger than you, this is the big battle. This is the first one. Stepping into the promised land. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. This is what you are to do then. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles. Asherah poles were these big wood Poles that they would hoist up on these wood poles, statues of the goddess, fertility goddess Asherah, and burn their what's that word in the fire, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Mm. You must destroy. All the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity. And do not serve their gods. For that will be a snare to you. I just need to acknowledge. God told them to wipe them out. Destroy them. Now write down in the margins of your storybook or on your teaching notes or in your Bible, whatever, or type it into the app. Write down two passages of Scripture. We're going to go back to the Pentateuch for just a moment. Deuteronomy 18, 9 and 12. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. And Deuteronomy 9, 4 through 6. 
If you'll give me a shot at it, I believe I can help this make sense to you. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. Here we go. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. Come to terms with the extent of the pagan worship and the pagan idolatry that was going down in Canaan. Who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritualist, or who consults the dead. I cannot overstate today the extent of pagan worship in the Canaanite culture. Church, they were sacrificing their children. They had turned away from God and what they had heard all the way back to Abraham, by the way. And don't go thinking, well, maybe they didn't know. Oh, no, 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 no. They had the priest Melchizedek. Go read your Bibles. They had the word and the blessing that was given to Abraham. And what our passages this week taught us is that they had Rahab, the prostitute, who as unlikely as she was, received the grace of God. Now go to Deuteronomy 9. Just kind of doing some backstory here for you. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land. Because of my righteousness. In other words, don't you go getting arrogant. Stay humble. The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Don't you dare say that. Watch this. No, it is on account of the... Say it again. Of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive out before you. It is not because of your righteousness and integrity that you are going to take possession of the land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out. This was uninhibited wickedness on the planet. This was wickedness that God had been graciously putting up. Listen to me, church. Not for a few years. Not for a few decades. Not even for a couple centuries. For six to seven hundred years, God had been sending word and messages. Clean up your act. It goes all the way back to Genesis. This is going to blow your mind. Remember, we started this thing in Genesis. Know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. And that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Talking about their time in Egypt. But I will punish the nation. They serve as slaves and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Your descendants will come back here for the, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. God had been so patient. 
Could it be that the very reason it took ancient Israel so long to get into the promised land is because God was being patient. God was extending grace. 400 years in Egypt. Six to 700 years from the days of Abraham. Watch this. For 600 years, going all the way back to Abraham and right up to the invasion of Jericho, God had given the people of Canaan time to repent and turn from their ways. Do you see why I felt it was necessary to just slow down and spend some very important time adding some color to your reading in Joshua? If I could put it in a sentence, here it is. Because some, some of you criticize the judgment and the wrath of God. Who do we think we are? God is God. God can do whatever God wants to do whenever God wants to do it. If I could just put it in one sentence for you. Oh my Lord, don't, don't miss this. We must be wary Wary of criticizing the wrath of God being poured out on evil without clearly considering how long the patience of God had stretched out. Don't go criticizing the wrath of God and the judgment of God until you have come to terms with how long the patience of God had stretched out. And I would be remiss If I didn't say to you today that I look at the direction of the United States of America. And I, you know, you guys hear me week in and week out, so you know I'm not that guy, right? I'm not that guy, that preacher who's always ranting and calling everything evil and always mad and angry and there's a Demon up under every stump and all of you going to hell. <laughs> and you better repent. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I call you to repent, but I'm not that guy, right? I've always said I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness any day. But the reason we need to stay in the passages of the Old Testament is because they remind us that sin is still sin. And God is still holy. And there is a judgment and a wrath of God that God can unleash any time he wants to bring it down on his people. And in my loneliness at times, I sit and I just maybe look at one of those sunsets or sunrises that I mentioned earlier. I'm in my studying and I'm reading or I... Or I look at what's going on in our school systems. Or I look at what's going on in Washington. And I look at what's trying to... I'm going to go there. Heck yeah, I'm going to go there. I look at what's trying to be brought down into our bathrooms. And you won't find anybody more sensitive to me to every single person and loving of every single person. Any and everyone is welcome at this church. God changes lives. I don't. But I'm, all I'm saying is this. I've never seen our country spiral so southward 
in all my life. I don't know what is going on. But this July 4th, I mean, just, just put it into perspective, okay? Just put it into perspective. This July 4th, our country will be 240 years old, if I, if I did the math quickly and right this morning. We're only 240 years old as a country. God put up with this junk 600 years in the Old Testament. Now, I don't know when he's going to come again. And I don't know when he's going to unleash his fury. But here's what I do know. God is still holy and sin is still offensive and he can unleash his wrath and his judgment on planet earth whenever, however he wants to. That's his call. And if we want to follow him and we want to tap into the blessings of God, we better still call sin, sin. This isn't the last thing we're going to read about. It happens in Babylon. It happens in other areas. And it might, it might happen in the United States of America. And when you look at some of the junk going on, we might, oh, I wish I had time. We might be living in some of the judgment of God now, right now. Let's move on. Now that I've given you a lot to think about. Three steps to getting out of the wilderness. When God brings you us into the promised land, write it in. When God brings you us into the promised lands, it isn't just for you or us, but it is for the mission of God through us. Hello. It was never about ancient Israel. It was about the wickedness of the Canaanite people, and it was about his glory. Everybody say glory. It was never about them. He, he says, it's not because of your righteousness or your integrity. It's always about the mission of God. Don't miss this. Probably the most important thing I've said all day long. If you're going to tap into the promises of God, and if you're going to tap into the blessings of God, your marriage will only be blessed to the extent to which you live for the mission of God. It's not about you. Your dating life will only be blessed to the extent to which you date towards the mission and the glory of God. Your vocational life will only be blessed to the extent to which you link that up with the mission and the vision of God. Your life, your whole life will only be blessed. Only experience the promised lands of God to the extent to which you live on point to the mission and the glory of God. Watch this, watch this. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son... Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Give glory to the Lord and honor him. Everybody say, give glory. Give, glory. give, honor, give honor to him. And then you get to the end of Joshua. To one of my favorite verses in the entire Old Testament. We have it hanging in our kitchen. Not this part, but you'll know when we get to it. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. 
Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Go ahead, serve them if you want. Serve the little g-gods of the world if you want. You won't tap into the blessings and the favor and the promises of God. But as for me, as for me, read it with me. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You want the blessings of God. You want the favor of God. You tap into living your life for the glory of God. I want to invite you to take some steps today. What steps do you need to take at any of our campuses, steps towards moving toward God and taking, claiming your blessing? Like, that's, that's it's different for all of us, but I want to give it a moment for you to figure it out. At all the campuses. And don't leave when I'm finished teaching because we're going to sing a song that's about I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to take some steps Toward God. And when you start to live with that kind of dogged, rugged determination to take steps toward God and claim and take your blessing. When you start to live like that, your lower story down here starts to intersect with God's upper story right up here. And that's where the magic happens, church. That's where the abundant life of God starts to happen. But you have to decide this day whom you will serve. One final thing and I'm done. I've been asking some people lately, just people that I've run across. Hey, and I'm asking you now. This is a little test for you. I'm asking you. If you could give me five-letter lies. I'm sorry, five-word lies. If you could give me five-word lies that people have told you over the years, what would they be? In other words, if you could encapsulate the lies that Satan or people have told you over the years, and I want you to keep it in five words, what, what would they be? And I've been taking notes. Can I share some of them with you? Here's some of the ones I, I got. This person said, they keep telling me in different ways, it's too late for me. Another one said, you messed up too much. Here's one. No one will want you. It's never going to happen. Oh, I heard this one so much. You're never going to change. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. There's plenty of time left. You, you will always be alone. That's what one person said to me. They said, my, my mother keeps telling me, don't worry about getting married. You will always be alone. Oh, you're just like your dad, another one said. It'll be like this forever. Another person said, the lie I keep hearing is, you've wasted too much time. Here's one. You are on your own. 
Here's one, the last one. God's done giving you chances. You know what you should tell people who lie to you like that? No, I'm serious. We, we, went, we went beyond it. Thank you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. God says, take a step. Claim your blessing. Move toward me. Get out of the wilderness after you've learned to sing it as well with my soul and appropriate and apply that message last week. And if you weren't here, go get it in the resource center. But after you've learned that, take your blessing because as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Father, thank you for calling us out of the wilderness. Thank you for taking us into the promised land. I pray that every single person at all of our campuses today will figure out right now in this moment, in the silence of this moment, what are the steps that I need to take? How can I disregard and absolutely ignore the lies people have told me? And take great comfort and delight and courage and strength. And the fact that you have told me in Scripture, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.